Good morning, One Ship Sunship, and welcome to Saturday morning practical applications call where we gather to discuss what we've learned through the week and how we can apply it to our lives. And this is a joyous welcome that we are all gathering, and I'm going to turn the call over to my sister Paula for our morning prayer. Paula? Thank you. This is a poem from Helen, I should say from Helen's inspired poem, The Gifts of God. Surely you will not fail to hear my call, for I have never failed to hear your cries of pain and grief, and I have come to save and to redeem the world at last from fear. It never was, nor is, nor yet will be what you imagine. Let me see for you and judge for you what you would look upon. When you have seen with me but once, you would no longer value any fearful thing at cost of glory and the peace of God. This is my offering, a quiet world with gentle ordering and kindly thoughts, alive with hope and radiant in joy, without the smallest bitterness of fear upon its loveliness. Accept this now, for I have waited long to give this gift to you. I offer it in place of fear and all the gifts of fear. Can you choose otherwise when all the world is standing breathless, waiting on your choice? Amen. 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 And Paula, thank you. That's always beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. Love that. Can't hear that one enough. All right, now I'm going to turn the call over to Lee to um, talk about the great topic we're going to open up the floor with, um, with no judgment, Lee. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Chris. Um, There's a wonderful tie-in again today between uh, our text reading and where we are in the workbook with the whole question of judgment. And we read on Friday that Um, moving into forgiving dreams are ways to end the dream of judgment. And uh, I thought it'd be helpful if we spent part of today talking about how we feel about the the topic of judgment, whether there's any um, lingering kind of feelings, um, probably not whether, to to what extent and what we can say about lingering feelings that, uh, that, that, you know, judgment seems absolutely essential to getting through a day safely um, and and charting our course across this world. And uh, to what extent then are we asked to give up all judgment? What what exactly does he mean by the kind of judgment um, that I'm trying to set aside? Um, so the the hope was moving into rules for decision, which is all about choosing Holy Spirit as our um, guide and releasing our reliance on the ego as guide that as we move into rules for decision and realize that we're being led to forgiveness as the antidote for judgment um, maybe we could get real clear about what kind of judgment he is telling us is so directly related to the ego and what kind of judgment is so directly related to condemnation and guilt? 
So that was the topic I had uh, as a suggestion for an opening topic this morning. Thanks, Chris. Well, I don't know. How, I am a professional judger, so uh, I would be so open to hearing what happens. Um, I had an extraordinary week of, of awakening, and I was so moved by it. I actually posted it on Facebook in our group for those that didn't read it. Um, I have been so stuck in the idol of having, you know, the swankiest, coolest place to live for so long now, two years, really like making myself crazy rather than just letting go and accepting what will happen. And um, we decided to stay in the building that we're renting in. And when I went downstairs, whatever, communication fell apart and I wasn't going to get the one that I wanted. And I, I was just it consumed with rage stormed across the street to jump on the train to go to my office and a homeless woman, a beautiful, like joy in her eyes, not someone in struggle. Someone, it, it, the, the person that, or the being that showed up in front of me reminded me of what Peace Pilgrim lo- would, lo- would be in that situation. And she asked for money and I just like opened up my wallet and I never have cash. I just threw her a $10 bill as if to shoo her away. Like, can't you see I'm frustrated and struggling? Like, how dare you invade my space? And, um, and then the Holy Spirit, like, I could hear the voice. Like, she, she looked at me and said, I wish you many blessings of abundance. And I went, oh, my God, a homeless woman is blessing me because... <laughs> And I just grabbed her hand and I apologized. I said, I just got some, you know, quote unquote bad news. Well, it wasn't bad. It just was news that I judged bad. Hello. And um, she just smiled at me like the smile of pure joy, like nothing matters. Like this whole thing is just not even anything real. So, um, so when I got to Grand Central, I, just, I, I posted the thing, and another homeless woman came up to me and asked me for money. And I just smiled and said, I, I gave it to, to someone else. And then she swore at me, and it was like almost the funniest thing I had ever heard because I thought everything is just a judgment. It doesn't, it's like it doesn't matter. So what would be really cool today to discuss is, um, you know, more tools. Like when you're in that space, how do you get out of, out of it or more importantly, how do you know that you're even doing it? I'm complete. And it is judgment. That was such an awesome pose, Chris. <laughs> that was just, um, I was so moved by what you shared with us yesterday about that encounter. I was as well, Chris. Thank you. That was lovely. Yeah. Yeah, me too, Chris. That's great. This is Fran. I always know when I'm in it because I'm not peaceful. And a thought will, feels like it takes over my mind when I'm in that judgment stage. And today when we were um, doing the lesson, I it's so funny because uh, all of a sudden this morning I got this um, bad idea of a friend of mine who just drives me crazy and people are dump her all the time and I have always promised her that I would never stop being friends with her but it's very difficult to stay friends with her so I was during the meditation 
I was asking for help. And the thought that came to me was, don't act on the judgment. I always do this. I'll say, it's like I'm having a conversation. Well, how about if I just say this? This isn't that bad. And then I get the answer, yeah, but you know what your motive is, is to make her feel bad. So I, every thought that comes up to my mind, in my mind, I know I can't say that. So today when uh, I got this thought, just don't act on it. Let it come up, offer it, and let it go down. And it was part of my conversation, I was like, well, what if it comes up a hundred times? Well, let it come up and then let it go down, but don't act on it. So that's about what I got, but that was my, I thought, looked at that as my first step in um, trying to eliminate the judgment. I also, oh, God, this is so wonderful for me. Thank you, Carl. New Testament interpretation. I read the crucifixion part in Luke so many times and always go back to if Jesus could forgive someone and see underneath somebody nailing him to a cross, I can forget and see underneath um, simple things. And I always go back to that. That, uh, that is so beautiful, Carl. Thank you so much for recommending that. Anyway, I'm complete. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. What was coming up for me was the um, just in what you were saying that that idea about forgiving seventy times seven. You know that again, which is supposed to be this this number of <laughs> until it's done, basically, um, however long it takes. And the um, thing with the crucifixion, and I, I've had to use that several times myself. That what a minor crucifixion this is compared to the example that Jesus demonstrated. And when he said you know, that he chose the crucifixion so that we wouldn't have to go through it, we get all these little mini crucifixions, and we think just how, you know, how important our little struggles are, and they just are really little struggles compared to what we could be dealing with. The problem is, is that they're going on for us, so we give them this added bit of importance that they don't deserve. And when we put them in proper perspective, it's like, you know, this really isn't a big deal. Okay. So um, I always appreciate it when I have those moments of clarity, no matter, you know, no matter how long it takes. But again, when I put it in proper perspective, um, my little things that I'm dealing with are, are minute compared to the example that was given us. So that's what's coming up for me. Thank you. Thanks, thanks Stephen. Stephen. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. You know, Chris, thanks, this is Stephen. Carl. You know, one of the, <clears throat> one of the things... I think you asked two questions, and the one that uh, I remember is how how can I tell, uh, you know, what's what are the signs of you know, like what I'm judging because it's just it's so habitual. And um, and, and and Fran, you said it. It's it's when you when you start losing your peace, you know, and you're moving into fear. It's like if if I can establish a um, peace meter, M-E-T-E-R, peace meter in my mind, and when when the dial starts moving towards fear, I'm going to be able to tell because I'm 
probably going to feel it somewhere in my body. I'm going to get tense. Uh, or if I'm <coughs> uh, observing, if I'm mindful, I'll, I'll start noticing my thoughts are going where I don't want them to go. Um, and, and I think the more you practice that kind of thing, the more you can tell that that's where you're headed. And, and then if you find yourself there, you know, you didn't even notice it was happening. You just find yourself there, which happens quite frequently, too. Um, then to just stop and rest and accept what's happening and try to, to put yourself back into the place of peacefulness. Um, and then be careful not to judge yourself for doing that be easy on yourself so I'm complete thank you Carl for those that have um, joined us a little later um, the topic this morning to start us off is the topic of judgment as it relates to um, uh, especially moving into rules for decision which he describes both at the end of the section we just read, the end of 29, and in the beginning of 30, he describes these rules for decision as a means of choosing forgiving dreams and escaping dreams of judgment. So the question on the table is, what is the distinction between the, the judgment that I'm to be released from and the kind of judgment that feels to me like it's just so perfectly practical and rational assessment of whether it's safe to cross a street. If I'm not clear about which judgment he's speaking of, I can drag my heels about releasing one kind of judgment because I'm fearful that he's speaking of releasing the other, or it can be just a little ploy I'm using. Um, there were a couple of selections that I thought would be helpful in recognizing what he's done in this workbook for us with this topic of judgment. And I wonder, there are three, there are three paragraphs from the beginning of the workbook that are recaps of some of the first five of the lessons of the workbook. These recaps appear in Lesson 51. And um, I wondered if we could just have three readers prepared for reading paragraph 2, 3, and 4, covering the second, third, and fourth lessons as they're recapped in that uh, first review. So it would be Lesson 51, and then the recap for Lesson 2, 3, and 4. What I find is that he has begun this workbook with the talk of judgment, and now he's wrapping around at the end and returning us to this topic of judgment and the importance of how judgment is responsible for separating me from everything I feel I need distance or a gap between. I need a gap between me and you because of my judgments of you. 
I need a gap between me and my God because of my judgments toward my Creator. I need a gap between me and the truth because I'm so frightened of the truth. So I'm so defended against the truth because of my fear. And I have a gap between what I believe myself to be and the self that the Course is designed to bring me back to the memory of because I fear that as well. It's a judgment of everything that makes me withdraw and then crave a distance between that in which I judge, that in which I, that in, and between myself and that which I judge. He describes that in a gorgeous way in lesson two, three, and four. And um, so I was hoping we might just begin this morning by looking over those paragraphs. Would that be okay, Chris? Can we just have people read uh, the second, third, and fourth lesson from that first review? Chris with us. Sounds good to me. Okay, why don't I start with uh, two, and if we could get a reader for three and four. I'll do three. I'll do four. Okay. All right. This is the recap for Lesson 2, appearing in Lesson 51. I have given what I see all the meaning it has for me. I have judged everything I look upon, and it is this and only this that I see. This is not vision. It is merely an illusion of reality because my judgments have been made quite apart from reality. I'm willing to recognize the lack of validity in my judgments because I want to see. My judgments have hurt me and I do not want to see according to them. I do not understand anything I see. How could I understand what I see when I have judged it amiss? What I see is the projection of my own errors of thought. I do not understand what I see because it is not understandable. There is no sense in trying to understand it, but there is every reason to let it go and make room for what can be seen and understood and loved. I can exchange what I see now for this merely by being willing to do so. I'll read that again. I can exchange what I see now for this merely by being willing to do so. It is not this. Is not this a better choice than the one I made before? And if I could just make a comment about about what I what I um, get from this that's so helpful in reference to judgment. He mentions in the very last section we read in the text, the last section of 29, that if I feel fear in any form, and he says, I feel fear if I don't have a calm assurance that heaven goes with me. The lack of a calm assurance that heaven goes with me is what he calls fear. 
if I don't feel, if I feel fear in any form, I can be sure that I'm judging. That it's because of a dream of judgment. So, so as I sit here, I realize that he's suggesting to me that I could have such a peace about me, such an openness, such a receptivity to what this day will bring, such a sense of safety, that I stand in openness and receptivity. I join with what I don't reject in judgment. I just allow and I'm open. That sense of openness, that sense of joining, comes from the heart. It comes from that love in me that would embrace and allow things to unfold as they are, would allow my loved ones to be as they are, would allow things in a sense of trust to unfold for my benefit. When I go into fear, it's because I tighten up and begin withholding myself or rejecting my love or my acceptance from certain people, events, or circumstances based on what? My judgment. It's based on some judgment, some critical feeling, some feeling of criticism or negative judgment that makes me withdraw into myself. And when I withdraw into myself, I separate. And that becomes the source of my experience of separation. With that in mind, as I read this recap of three, I see him very early telling me, what I see commonly is so much the result of my errors of thought that I'm seeing the projection of my judgments everywhere. He can say in that paragraph, I don't understand what I see because what I see is not understandable. I'm seeing just my own errors of thought painted over everything. There's no sense trying to understand that. But there's every reason to let that go and make room for what is so anxious to be seen and understood and loved. Then he talks about this exchange, which Rules for Decision is the method about. I can exchange what I see now for what can be seen and understood and loved merely by being willing to do so. Is not this a better choice than the one I made before? So thanks, guys, for letting me kind of go into that a little bit. Thank you. Just one, just if we could have you hold just one second, Ida. We're gonna we're gonna read just one more paragraph before we open it up. Okay, four. These thoughts do not mean anything. The thoughts of which I am aware do not mean anything because I am trying to think without God. What I call my thoughts are not my real thoughts. My real thoughts are the thoughts I think with God. I am not aware of them because I have made my thoughts to take their place. I am willing to recognize that my thoughts do not mean anything and to let them go. I choose to have them be replaced 
by what they were intended to replace. My thoughts are meaningless, but all creation lies in the thoughts I think with God. So just a final thought. My thoughts and the way he's describing them, these thoughts I think with God are what my thoughts were intended to replace. When I came up with my own judgments, my own assessments, and my own meanings, and put my faith in those, I was listening to the ego and its guidance. But it turns out there's a different part of my mind that knows how to think with God. And that part of my mind is going to be discovered through the practice of forgiveness as I release the judgments my ego has guided me to and recognize that there's a basis by which I can accept and join with much more than I ever imagined possible. Accept, allow, embrace, and trust. And that leads me then to a much more peaceful encounter with this, with my day, with each of you, and with this world. It guides me to a place in my mind that accords with what God would have me feel this calm assurance that heaven goes with me, that I'm never apart from his peace or his safety. That's the distinction between the thoughts God would have me think and those in judgment that I've allowed ego to insert and direct me to imagine that this world is really about. Um, and, uh, and as we look at today's lesson then, with this in mind, today's lesson itself and the whole discussion of the Last Judgment uh, takes on an entirely different light. Thanks for letting me kind of uh, open it this way. And, uh, and I'll open it back up. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you, Lee. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Lee. That was great. Very thank nice. Thank you. thank you, Lee. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I just want to say um, this idea we were just talking about, that Lee was just talking about, also brings something new to me that I don't remember from the seven years that I directly studied the course in the night. Um, even in the blue version, I'm sure it was there. <laughs> um, which is the other side of what Lee was referring to. If I don't feel that perfect peace, I'm in fear and judgment. And I don't always feel that. If I'm in, you know, it's a new definition for me. I thought if I hear the judgment in my mind or feel the anxiety in my belly, then I'm in judgment, then I'm in fear. But apparently, I can be so deluded, medicated, jaded, or whatever to my own um, self, what's going on, feelings and thoughts and all that, that I can be not at perfect peace and still, and, and still think that I'm okay and I'm not in fear, I'm not in judgment, I'm just getting things done, you know, whatever it is. And it's just very interesting to me and perhaps interesting to some of you that sort of new definition of when we are in fear, when we are in judgment, when we need to stop at least for a nanosecond and then 
bring in or call in the Holy Spirit or realize the Holy Spirit is there with us and, and our elder brother, um, come back to the, the perfect peace. I feel like I have enough material on just this one little part. I don't even, I can go on for the rest of my life with just this <laughs> and not even get to the rest of the course. <laughs> anyway, so thank you, and I uh, pass. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thanks, Ida. You know, this Sharon. is for all. Go ahead, Sharon. You sure? Hang on to your thought. Um, I had... I don't... Um, I don't uh, have a problem with the idea of is is this a judgment or is that a judgment in terms of what do I need to function in a day? I don't think of that as judgment at all. I just think of that as my functioning sense. Um, for me, the judgment is purely what is it that takes me out of peace. And I loved that you had us read what you did this morning, Lee, because that was... That takes me right back to the very basic bones of looking at my thoughts. I don't know what this means. I don't know what this is for. I don't understand any of this. And when I know that is true, then I can move into surrender. And surrender is when I go from even feeling a sense of peace to a sense of, oh my God, peace. And the, oh my God, peace is when I say, you take this totally, totally. I don't want to make a decision. I choose not to interpret. I choose to let this be totally yours. I am totally yours. That gets me to the level of a baseline starting place where I know I'm in a really wonderful place. And it doesn't, and it's great for me to remember this because I haven't been doing this much recently. And I have this perfect example in front of me of what can happen on the extreme end of not doing this. I have a friend that is in continuous turmoil. She goes from one situation to another, and for the last nine years, she's been really unhappy and I've known her for probably 25 years and she studies the course with me and she has judgments about herself at every turn and judgments about the future and it makes her miserable and I don't know how to help her except to know that the best thing I can do is simply to work on myself. And so I return this morning again to a sense of total surrender. And now I'm really happy. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Sharon. You know, this is Carl, Ida, you were, uh, 
you were talking, I think you were, you were, see if I can kind of uh, echo back what you, you said that, and, 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 you know, we all find ourselves in this situation of not even, I think this is what you said. I don't want to put words into your mouth, but um, it's like, how do I know that I'm not at peace? How do I know, um, you know, some, I, I remember, let me say it this way. I remember leading my life thinking that I, me, Carl, was the person that was doing all the thinking I was doing. Matter of fact, I didn't even think about my thinking. Um, that's just who I was. And um, so, yeah, I, I knew the difference between being upset and not being upset, uh, but I'm not sure that not being upset was even being at peace, okay, because there was always some kind of uh, worry or dread going on, but that always seemed to be better than being upset, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And uh, I think it's important to, it was for me, to discover what peace is, you know, what what is peace what is the state of mind where none of you know there is no dread there is no worry there is no upset and um and i and for me i discovered that through meditation and 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 i thought i meditated for years years and years and years and years uh but in the last couple of years uh, I was able to touch into true peace in my meditation time. And therefore, I, I developed a reference point, which I can then take into the world. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there for anybody that's, that's uh, uh, saying, oh, gosh, what is peace? How do I discover peace? That's how... Uh, I touched into what peace is. I'm complete. Thank you, Carl. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Carl. That's good. Thank you. Thank you, Carl. Thanks, Thanks Carl. Thank you, Carl. Well, to me, doesn't doesn't uh, just the word judgment have such negative connotations to it to begin with? You know, we have to make decisions all day long. Do I, you know, do I stop for this red light or not? You know, I mean, those are decisions that have to that have to be made, but I don't have to judge or add the emotional chaos to it. You know, why is the why is the light turning red now? I'm in a hurry. You know, blah 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 blah. And, and uh, see, that's one of the things for me with this course is that uh, forgiveness is not something uh, I'm at peace with, um, and that's because you know, lesson 46 where it says God does not uh, forgive. You know, because God does not judge. And if I'm in a position where I am judging, the next best thing to do is then to forgive once I've made the judgment. But I would like to just be in a position where I could avoid the, the, the judgment, you know, adding the emotional chaos that goes on top uh, with that. So for me, oftentimes, whenever I see the, the word forgiveness in the Course, I, I really do um, find it very 
peace-inducing for me to think of it in terms of acceptance. Um, you know, I forgive this situation while I accept this situation. Um, that I, again, I'm not going to judge it. I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to put uh, my beliefs of what should, could, or would be, you know, and to be better if, all those kind of things. Because, you know, what's it say in the lessons that, you know, there's that thing in our mind where we say, if, if, if you will just act differently, I could be at peace. And that, of course, is just insane. Um, I joke oftentimes uh, in my 12-step groups that I've I've overcome um, uh, anger, and it's, uh, it's a thing of the past for me. As long as everybody does exactly what I want them to do, when I want them to do it, the way I want them to do it, I'm I don't have a problem with anger. <laughs> you know, every situation is the way I want it, but of course it's not. So that idea again for me is I make decisions but I try to avoid judgments. Uh, um, forgiveness comes after I've made a judgment, but I would prefer to just be accepting instead of, uh, instead of forgiving. But that's just the way that it, that it helps me make better sense of this course for me. And again, it's obviously just for me. So thank you. Complete. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks, Stephen. Thank that, that was a good thank delineation you. of the difference between judgment and decision. The course makes that tries to make that clear. I'm done. Yeah, that was good. Thank you, Rob. Send me your Facebook uh, friendship, Rob. If you it's Ida A I D A Sorensen with the spell the usual uh, Danish way, with the S L N at the end. <laughs> Thanks. I'm complete. Thanks, Stephen. You're welcome. Um, if you know, the, your your share made me think of just the simple uh, idea of what the Course told us uh, that the ego mindset is, and it's, I want this different. It's just, whatever it is, I want this different. So there's this sense of something happening that I've conceived of as something I don't want. That's all it is for me. Um, and it would be great if I had a, a, a light <laughs> that would go off and says, um, you don't want this, therefore, you're in judgment, therefore, forgive. But, you know, that's, uh, that's the, the energy for me. It's kind of in the middle of my forehead uh, in a cringed sensation that's focused in very narrowly upon an idea of something that is against me, and um, that's all the ego is. I'm complete. Right. Good. Three warnings. Thank you, Bryce. Thanks, Bryce. Thanks, Bryce. You know, there really is nothing wrong with the ego. Um, it's, it, the, the idea that the ego is a good servant but a poor master, you know, I, I equate uh, ego to, to earth guide only. You know, I mean, it's what gets me through this world. Uh, it wants me to believe that the world is more important than, than spirit. You know, so it does have its insane side. But it doesn't mean that it's bad it is, as long as, you know, I'm I'm clear and accepting what the uh, what the ego is. So... The idea, again, of putting the ego in its proper place and using it 
in the in the best possible way, like so many other things, whatever I've made in this world, I and that's the collective I, uh, the plural I, whatever I we've made in this world to uh, keep us separate from God, the Holy Spirit can look at and use to help uh, us remember the truth of who we are and bring us back to heaven. So, you know, the idea that the you know we're in this world, so you know, Earth Guide only or um, I was talking with a minister friend of mine recently in Chattanooga, and uh, and she talked about um, she was having this experience of actually levitating, uh, uh, and it, and she this was in her mind she was having this spirit of levitating, and this this uh, security officer came up and said you can't do that, and she immediately you know in her mind fell back to to earth, and and so. I, I got Earth Guard only, you know, that the ego wants to wants to protect this world and guard us against all this supernatural stuff that that we think, you know, it wants the five sensory world to be the end all and be all, and we know that that's not the case. So, as long as I put ego in proper perspective, uh, it's it's okay. It's when I uh, allow it to to be more than it is, you know. It's like it's like getting your guidance from Jack Nicholson in The Shining. You know, you don't let the insane. Uh, um, you know, um, take you through this scary, nasty place, or you know, one flew over a cuckoo's nest. Don't uh, don't let the insane guide you through the insane asylum. And that, to me, is what the ego is. So, thank you. Complete. Um, too much separation for me. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Great imagery there. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Josie. Thank you, everybody, for your shares. I was looking back to what what we just read, and um, the root of the judgment, like this lesson 311, I judge all things that I would have them be. Um, there came up in me like a like an arrogance when I first read that I will judge all things as I would have them be like almost a defiance against really what that lesson really means. It doesn't mean that. And then when we read these three sections, when we read these three sections, I am willing to recognize, their statement saying, I am willing to recognize um, in number three, it said, I can't exchange what I see now. And then even in the number four, um, I am willing to recognize again. And I realized that there's a part of me that is not willing, that doesn't want to do it, and that when I see and read these things, that's the part of me that um, continues to judge on. So I have to go way back to to literally square zero to to do some work on the place where I, I'm not really willing. I'm not. And that's what I'm going to try to focus on this weekend, that place where I am not willing. And I could say I'm going to hand it over as much as I want, but there's a place that I have to really get to it to determine, you know, keep handing it over on those deeper levels. And anyway, that's what is coming for me here. Thank you. Thank you, Josie. That's everybody's problem. Thank you, Josie. 
Thank you, Jesse. There's a tie-in for me today, very directly between Lesson 311. I judge all things as I would have them be. And um, those first three lines of the recap for Lesson 2, where he says in the recap for Lesson 2, I have judged everything I look upon, and it is this and only this that I see. This is not vision. So the idea of vision as something that is offers me the alternative to the distortion that I presently see as a result of my mistaken judgments um, is very enticing to me. The idea that vision lifts me past my mistaken judgments. So the, the judgment that's easy to relate to that the Course is asking me to release would be the judgment that holds condemnation or guilt, regret, um, the judgments that lead to um, undue fear, um, with resistance or withdrawal, a sense of separation between me and, and circumstance or me and others, um, that's based in something entirely, you know, un, undue. Um, but it, but it extends beyond just those uh, judgments on that basis. It really extends to the fact that, as a result of the judgments I've been led to across my life, guided by the ego and its thought system, kind of common to us all, I've been blind to what vision would reveal to me. I've been blind to what's on the other side of my judgments. Um, when he says in that recap for two that this is not vision but it's merely an illusion of reality because my judgments have been made quite apart from reality, the offer there is that with vision I come into reality contact and that reality, he says, is this world beyond the one I see that is so lush and beautiful, inviting and safe Reality, he says, is never frightening. That's a quote from one of these early recaps. That I'm only ever frightened by and resistant and in reaction to that which I misunderstand. Returning, though, to the, the lesson for today. Again, repeating this idea, I judge all things as I would have them be. So I've separated them from their reality by seeing them as I would have them be. Then he can tell me judgment was made to be a weapon used against the truth. What does it do? It separates what it is being used against and sets it off as if it were a thing apart. If I'm told that my judgment sets you off or sets a circumstance off or an outcome, if my judgment separates it off as though it were a thing apart, I'm actually being told it's not genuinely a thing apart, but that I misperceive it as though apart by the act of judging it. 
That which I judge, I separate from. Now if I get into recognizing how much of my day I sit in judgment, I have arms crossed and I'm saying, this suits me, that suits me, that I don't like, this I can't believe I'm having to put up with again, I sit in judgment of so much throughout a day. Look at all that I'm separating from. So that's the beauty of this, of what we're brought to for me in this lesson again today. Um, in the prayer, I'm told, Father, or no, I'm told to, to direct this prayer to my Father. Father, we wait with open mind today to hear your judgment of the Son you love. We don't know him and we cannot judge, and so we let your love decide what he whom you created as your son must be. If I can remember that my father's judgment of you hasn't changed one smidgen since he created you, that nothing has occurred, nothing that has occurred has altered his opinion of you. Um, or and, and that his opinion of me hasn't changed by anything that I've done or left undone. That's the basis for beginning to feel back into a love space uh, that is the uh, alternative to these, um, these terrifying dreams of judgment where I separate myself off from everything I judge falsely. I'm complete. Thanks. Yes, very descriptive. Yeah, that was good. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. I somehow got disconnected, and I called back in, and it said there were 17 people on the call this morning. I just thought I'd share that. Great. As one of the people... I would like to put forth the idea here that until I had access to the original edition, until I could read the first seven chapters again, I and and then stepwise ended up connecting with actual goings on of the Course in Miracle Society. I thought I was doing a good job, but I had that wariness that is a substitute. Um, for the movement into peace. I'm not sure I'm ever in peace except in moments. And oftentimes, Jesus, uh, through Raj on the Northwest Foundation, points out that Unless you have asked to see things from the point of view of joining something besides what you're in, 
that wariness of the ego, that peace that there are no actual attacks right now. I can, I can sort of relax and put the spear down. Um, then you're not really moving toward peace, which is a conduit to joy. Because joy, to me, is when I have still in my ego been educated enough to ask the Holy Spirit how to deal with this thought that I'm having of judgment and turn it into forgiveness so that I can move a little bit into the edge of peace so that I can look forward to joy. And these are, to me, stages that come by immersing myself in what Jesus says is Raj, immersing myself in the group here where I've had the most intimate elucidation of how to get there that I've ever had and the greatest love surrounding me from the group. Um, this is important that I always realize, yes, I could be satisfied with the world my ego built up until then, but it never has that total beginning of relaxation that you get when you've turned your world over to the Holy Spirit and let the comforter be with you so that you can start to move toward real peace. I'm complete. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob. That was great. Thank you. That was great, Rob. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Thanks, Rob. You know, this is Sharon. I I just found a practical way to remind myself to surrender. I wear um, I have long hair, and I wear these um, hair ties around my wrist so that I can tie it back if I need to. Oh, I'm sorry. So, Mouth a little closer to the mic. So I have a practical idea as to how to remind myself to get back into a state of surrender. I have long hair, and I wear these wrist ties around my, um, my, I mean, my hair ties around my wrist. So my thought is, every time I go into surrender, move my hair tie to my other wrist, and then move it back again. Kind of the way some people um, use bands around their wrist when they go into complaining or judgment. So I think I'm going to be doing that today, just as an experiment to see to remind myself that it's just really a matter of remembering. Thank you, and Thank you, Sharon. Thank you. I was talking about Statement 21 in the Gospel of Thomas yesterday. Statement 21 is, got, is divided into two parts. It took me 30 years to figure that out. 
Um, there's two paragraphs to what a real description of disciples are like. And then there's this line that says, as for you then. Meaning something beyond the realm that has just been described as those who are willing to take off their robes, return the kingdom of their mind back to the kingdom of God through the Holy Spirit, and then merely watch for elements of their mind which threaten their estate. You have only one estate. You are divine. You are nothing else. But you imagine you have a kingdom which you can place wherever you want. So now this is for those who have believed that getting rid of the robes of judgment is, then it says, as for you then, be on guard against the world. Gird yourselves and prepare for action. For the trouble you expect will come. In other words, in the ego world, you plan and arm yourself and live in the defensiveness of the ego world's attack response, attack defense all that, then that is what you will receive because you have postulated that in your mind. You have projected it. Now, it says at the end, let everyone be aware that when the crop ripened, a reaper came with sickle in hand, and harvested it. Let him who has ears to hear listen. Meaning, if you can understand this, place yourself where you want to be in these two situations. And I kept being in the adequate situation of an aware being because of the Gospel of Thomas and the other Gnostic Gospels without having the explanation of the Course and the even further explanation of the Course that came when I got the uh, original edition, the complete Course. So it's been stepwise for me to gradually realize I really really wasn't in any sort of uh, peace. I was in a guarded relaxation. And when I'm in that peace in short periods, when I'm with you all here, um, I'm in a kind of edge of peace that I really enjoy. And this this has been my stepwise approach to this, and I hope you all can see it as something that functions for your healing of your mind. I'm done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Yeah, thank you, Rob. You're all welcome. I love you, Rob. 
everybody here, as myself, as I'm learning to let go of anything else for myself and practicing one day at a time, like 12-step groups, I'm learning to love you all again, too, and uh, I can say this, two things, just just from my experience in this world, and somehow it got packed into more than 58 years of experience, because with my mind and my, I don't know, whatever parts of me, I've been to a lot more places than even the places I've physically been to. <laughs> and then she may identify with me when I say this. And um, I am not sure. <laughs> In spite of this course, this course gives me a lot of the loosening of fear about, quote, unquote, the future. But I'm still not... You know, I'm like like that pure soak, 99 and 34, 100%, right? Sure. But this is it. This course is it, although, you know, Jesus himself says it's called A Course of Miracles, not B Course, because there's other courses. For other times, for other places, whatever, I don't know. And there's so much that I don't know, and every day I learn more about that I don't know. You know, what anything is for. But I do know in this world, in spite of all the fears of, you know, trepidation, agony, whatever that I've experienced, or we've all experienced in this world, um, you know, when I was homeless, I was helped. When I was sick, physically or mentally or emotionally, I was helped. There were hospitals, there were people, there were shelter. I just basically had to ask for help and accept the form that it took good enough and have the peace of mind, of course, come again, which will help me feel better, even if I was homeless or if I was sick or whatever. And, of course, health is peace of mind, what the Course does. So even though I don't know what's going to happen in the future, I don't know what I'm going to experience when I, quote, unquote, die, um, in spite of all the books that have been written, about that, those people all came back. <laughs> so it could be a different experience if you're just having a, you know, a, a near-death experience and come back a week later or a, a few seconds later. But that's okay. It's okay for me not to know. That wasn't true in my earlier parts of this life. And I was a turtle, and I was snapped back into my shell the moment I felt threatened by anything or any situation or anybody, and I was afraid of everybody and everything. So I was in my show a lot. <laughs> anyway, I think I'm not going to belabor all of this, and you all are very intelligent and loving beings, and you get my point, and, and I'm grateful to be among you now at the perfect time and place, and thank God, and thank you, and I'm complete. We see and love you. Oh, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Great. Ida, thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thanks, Ida. Hey, guys. I'm, uh, real quick, I had to take another call. I'm sorry I was away for a little bit, but uh, something did come to me I wanted to share out of uh, 
the beginning of the manual for teachers. It says, who are God's teachers? Um, the idea here that he brings out is that he made a deliberate choice in which he did not see his interests as apart from someone else's. And that's the, the unconsciousness of the ego's judgment when I shift into a belief that somehow my interests um, are separate from my brothers or from whatever situation is arising. We know that or tells us that every situation is being presented to us uh, for an opportunity to choose again. And what is it that we would choose? It says in this second or third paragraph also, uh, the decision is this. Uh, it's the decision to, quote, to see, quote, God's son is guiltless and in his innocence is his salvation. Um, this theme is presented over and over. And I think it's good to even say it uh, in our minds to, to make that decision to recognize in my judgments I've, I've seen something that isn't there. I've made uh, a false distinction that doesn't exist. I've imagined that there is an interest that I have that's separate from my brother. And the Course would say, no, the situation is being brought to both of you uh, for your healing. And what you need to see is that you're guiltless and your brother is. And the situation is a perfect encounter to have your illusions of what that qualifies as to be dismissed. I'm complete. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect is right. Thanks, Greg. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. Short phrase, chapter 4. Buying and selling has no place in God's world. I'm complete. This is Sharon. It's Sharon, and it occurs to me that I know why I keep my judgments, or one of the reasons. One of the reasons is that I believe, I still believe that I will have to sacrifice if I let go of my judgments. My judgments are very dear to me, and my judgment about what to do and what to say and where to go and what I want and what to buy and all of that, the next, the next half an hour, what am I going to do? Why don't I let go of my judgment about that and surrender? It's because I think I'm going to sacrifice, have to sacrifice. I don't get to do the next fun thing if I let go of my judgment about what would happen or what would it be like if I didn't get to do that. So I surrender my thoughts. Thank you. And complete. Sorry I'm so hoarse. I haven't been vertical yet. <laughs> Thank you. Nice. Thanks, Sharon. Thanks, everyone. This is Thanks, Catherine. Sharon. I, um, oops, is it okay, Lee? I just I said just thanks. To, oh, thanks, guys. I just wanted to jump in and say uh, thank you all for these beautiful, beautiful shares um, on judgment. And I love um, Manual for Teachers, the reading on relinquishment of judgment and all that it can bring me. And I also love the reminder that I can't judge anyway. I mean, I can think I'm judging. I can pretend I'm judging. 
but I really can't judge. I can perceive, um, but the, but true judgment is not available to me through the ego or through the Holy Spirit. And it's it's me not willing to be part of all that is. So I carve out a little piece of it that and try to make myself separate in a body and a little identity, and then I am perceiving. And perception makes projection. So I'm projecting something else, some different way of looking at the real world and call it the world. And then I call myself Catherine and all these things are happening and I'm thinking about it and all it is is not being willing into, to be in the holy instance, which I, I think that's what Sam was saying this morning on the call about time, that these readings on judgment this morning the last judgment is going to happen in the future uh, when everybody's ready. That's one thing that I can get discouraged over, is that it's the last judgment or my salvation isn't going to happen until everybody's ready, and there's you know, so many of us. And in my judgment, not, a, not some people aren't even close. Um, people. <laughs> so um, what... Sam brought out is that now the last judgment could happen today and I have to remember that for me the last judgment is my own last judgment the last time I choose to be separate to have a private thought to not be you to not be here um, that will be the last judgment I'll complete thank you Catherine thank you Catherine. thank you thank you Catherine Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Catherine. Lee, I appreciate you bringing up the private uh, thoughts, uh, ideas uh, from the reviews. Um, You know, I, there is a joining that my mind is capable of uh, through love. It's a, it's a, it is a, an emotional energy that um, I can uh, meditate in on. Um, I appreciate it, um, Carl, your suggestions for meditation, because I think I, I need to learn to vibrate on joining um, my mind with the truth of all that is and all that my mind is to get a true perception of what my mind thinking with God is. It's, it's, a, it's a drawing near to all that is on purpose. Uh, it doesn't happen accidental for me. I have to actually meditate in on the fact that I belong to a greater whole and that my perception of my separation is really illusion. And when I'm in judgment, I've moved way off from the meditation of love into what I think are private thoughts, even though we know in the rules for decision there are no private thoughts. I've simply joined with an illusory self I've, I've been captured by a separate interest thought 
that isn't real, that I've moved away from from my source. And so, you know, I just uh, I realize for me, you know, I, I'm still in the equipping stage of being uh, awakened to the love that is and that is myself. And I have to practice tuning in on the truth before I can ever really uh, differentiate. Oh, yeah, I'm in a private thought here. Are you complete, Bryce? I thought I was gone. <laughs> yeah, I thought the thing failed. I think he may have been dropped. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to. I, I have I wanted an to, important. I have an important interpretation from Raj here. If there's a moment for it, in discussing uh, this very thing. Um, Jesus, as Raj points out, that there are five steps to your avoiding judgment and getting help with your decision. Now, in Raj speak of his course, he says, if you do not seek uh, opposite to your standard view, you are intellectualizing and you're entitled. But when you seek for your opposite view, your integrated view, then you are thinking. So the joining, as described by him, is a five-part process. Become quiet. Whoops, wait a minute, how do you do that? Because there's the first step, become quiet. Quiet your mind. In other words, withdraw from the judgment that you have. Stop the judging and say, I will make no decisions by myself in some way so that you come into the, to the level of asking. When you come into the level of asking, he says, if you can't get there, meditate to get there. Not meditate to get the answer. Meditate to get to the level of peace so you can neutrally ask a question. Then ask the question. Then believe you are going to get an answer. Then abide. Wait expectantly. And when you get the answer, act on the answer the way it was given. And so his view of, of, of coming to a peace where you can at least recognize, as it says in chapter 30, I must have asked, I must be wrong, therefore I, I withdraw the question. The question was the judgment in, the, in your mind. And now you want to rephrase it. So get quiet, rephrase it, Expect an answer, abide, waiting for the answer. When you are given the answer, act on the answer is given. 
I'm complete. Thank you, Rob. That was great. Wonderful. Um, Thank you, Rob. To kind, of tie, um, to kind of tie a ribbon around um, what um, what I had suggested as an opening where we visited the second, third, and fourth of the recaps of the early lessons. I intentionally skipped the first one because there's such a charge for typically around that first lesson. Nothing I see means anything. But I, I thought in revisiting it now, in light of what we've talked about with judgment, there may be a different way of a, of, uh, a different uh, relationship with that very first lesson of our workbook. This recap says, nothing I see means anything. The reason this is so is that I see nothing, and nothing has no meaning. It is necessary that I recognize this, that I may learn to see. What I think I see now is taking the place of vision. I must let it go by realizing that it has no meaning so that vision may take its place. If I recognize that this... Um, that this process I've taken on as a result of the ego's thought, this process that he calls judgment, whereby I separate from things as a result of some sense of critical assessment that I don't even know where it originated. I withdraw and I, and I um, distance myself from one thing after another on the basis of some kind of rejection that I'm not even in touch with where it arose or why I accepted it. If I can understand this process of judgment has distanced me not only from others, but distanced me from vision, distanced me from what vision would restore to me, that I can realize on the other side of my judgment is reality. That reality is very inviting. Reality is where a love experience is available to me. When I withdraw and distance myself mistakenly on the basis of my judgments, my mistaken judgments, then I withdraw from love and I withdraw from the love that I would um, automatically and naturally have for reality on the basis of exactly what I was created to be, on the basis of how much absolute safety that experience would provide me and afford me in relating to things. My judgments have withdrawn me from you and from reality. Forgiveness is the method of restoring me to an openness that allows reality to be what it is, begins to reconnect me with all that I've mistakenly distanced and separated myself from. The rules for decision become a very practical method for me to move through my day 
with the actuality of this process of forgiveness being an alternative to those moments in my day where I can feel that I've separated off from a circumstance or a person on the basis of some judgment that um, robs me of peace. That's the beautiful thing about rules for decision as it relates to trying to bring myself back to a condition of vision, knowing that vision is the route away from the ego's perspective and back to some peace. Thanks, I'm complete. Thanks, Lee. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. That was great. Thank you. Yeah. And a good call. I remembered my practical application this week, the other day. The guy who wasn't talking to me since July, and she got mad at me for asking me to pay, for asking him to pay me, him pay me back for what he said he would pay me back for the things I, the money I gave him that month. He, he said hi to me. Um, I was in a place. I was talking with this friend who also kind of ignored me for a while and ever since I asked the supervisor here to please ask him to stop telling me in so many ways that I was too fat. <laughs> and uh, But that guy was trying to get in the gate to the part where he lives and he couldn't with his um, pass card and I tried with my pass card and I couldn't. And then uh, Supervisor lady's coming up, and she's trying. I don't know what happened, but then I saw the guy who hadn't been talking to me, Brian, and like I wasn't defended anymore. You know, I I wasn't expecting. I'm just automatically just said hi, and and he said hi back, and it was just peaceful, and it was no problem. I would have been okay if if he hadn't, of course. And that was at the time when when he did and. That was a very practical application for me, and this warms my heart so much. It gives me strength, life, to go on, living, getting up every morning. And um, thank you. I'm complete. Thank You're that. welcome. Thank you. My uh, line dropped. I. I wanted to bring out... Got, we're about at the end of... I'm sorry. Excuse me, Rob. I just wonder if Chris is on the line. I am. Do you guys want to keep going? Um, I My daughter's here, so I, I've been in and out. Um, if you want to keep going, um, we would you end the call? <clears throat> Should we probably bring bring the, the call itself to a close and end the recording? And then And then just invite everyone to continue by calling back in? That's a great idea. We could do that. Um, so, does and I would invite anyone for an op- uh, excuse me a closing prayer. Mary, if you're on, do you have something uh, handy there from Helen? I was just looking. Honest, I was looking. <laughs> How about if I... Bob, I hope you'll... I, I was just going to apologize to... 
Well, that, that'd be terrific, Rob. You don't mind, do you, Mary? No. Go ahead. Let us all, for the moment, think of this. If they ask you where you have come from, tell them you have come from the light. Where the light came into being, established itself, and appeared in an image of light. If they say, are you the light? Say, we are its children and the offspring of the living source. If they ask you, what is the evidence of the source within you? Tell them it is motion and rest. These peaceful emanations of light that we bring, we ask of you, Father, to keep in our minds, keep us on the path that you have outlined for us. Guide us with your Holy Spirit's voice. Guide us with all the voices that arise with the emergence of the Holy Spirit and the light within us as you intended. Save us, Father, from that which we would separate to and bring us back into your world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Amen. It's wonderful, Rob. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Thank you, Rob.